Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Fly With Your Shadow, the podcast all about music, mental health and illness, and the mess that the COVID pandemic has made of all of it. I'm Jeff Robson and this show comes to you from my home in Winnipeg, Manitoba. 20 years ago this month, I got a phone call that would change my life forever. I was offered the opportunity to volunteer at one of Winnipeg's two campus radio stations, UMFM at the University of Manitoba. Radio's been a passion and a dream of mine since I was a little kid, and I even went to school to learn broadcasting in hopes of making it a career, but this was my first actual opportunity. I can say without exaggeration or hesitation that that opportunity changed the direction and meaning of my life forever. And it's helped me in so many ways, including in dealing with my own mental illnesses of depression and anxiety. It's also given me the opportunity to be introduced to and to share with others some absolutely incredible music that I might not have heard otherwise. Today's guest is someone I got to know through the show because of her powerful and memorable songs. I was hooked immediately. I still remember listening to her album for the very first time and then immediately for the second and the third time. And I just knew that I was going to have to do everything I could to bring her to Winnipeg to perform someday. Not long after that, we made plans for her to come to Winnipeg and do a show. It was actually the second show I ever presented at my house concert venue, the Sunset Saloon. She's been coming back ever since. She last performed here for the sixth time alongside her husband, guitar player, producer, and best friend Dale Murray in November of 2019. It was the last house concert we were able to do before the pandemic shut everything down. Hi, my name's Christina Martin. I am a, what am I, a project manager, a singer-songwriter, a business, I told Dale today, I'm a businesswoman, um, but I write songs and, uh, and I try to, you know, get them out to people and I'm also a performer, so that's fun. That introduction is perfect because it sums up so many of the things that we love about Christina around here. She's one of the most driven and intelligent business people that we've run across, in addition to being one of my favorite songwriters. I consider her to be a role model among the performers that I know. She seems to have been one of the most successful at finding a new way of keeping herself busy and keeping some money coming in to help pay the bills during this whole thing. It's largely been through an online platform called Patreon, where performers create exclusive content and exclusive opportunities for fans who are willing to make a financial contribution monthly or annually. She's really done an amazing job with her community, and you can check that out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Christina Martin. She's also one of the most strikingly honest and open performers that I've encountered. At one of her shows, you feel like you get to know her almost immediately and you get to know what she's all about. She talks a lot about how mental illness has affected her and her family. She's also acted as a bit of a spokesperson, spreading awareness of an organization called CAMH, which is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. It's Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital and one of the world's leading research centers in its field. Talking to Christina, she's a little more unfiltered than some of our guests, so there are a few F-bombs in this episode. But if you can't handle that, boy, is the real world ever going to be hard on you. I hope you'll be okay, and I hope you enjoy this chat with Christina Martin. Do you want to stay I usually kind of try to get a grasp on what the past year has been like for people. And for a lot of people, it's been a real dramatic shift, obviously, not being able to tour all of a sudden and just having so many of those avenues cut off. But I feel like you were so, you were kind of positioning yourself in a way for this even before the pandemic. Like last time you were out in Winnipeg, you were already kind of working on the Patreon thing and you were doing the, some of the... So I don't know if they were live streams, but you were doing some videos and stuff. You were doing some of the things that people 
have been forced to kind of learn now. And I feel like you were ahead of the curve there a little bit. Am I right about that? Well, I was trying to, I was trying to learn from, you know, some other, some other folks probably uh, at the time. Um, but I, I remember thinking like, you know, in the last five years, um, being on the road so often and, and knowing how hard it can be and, and getting sick on the road and, um, and then hearing more about the, you know, our, our environmental crisis. And I remember having many conversations with my, my, my husband, my, my guitarist, my partner on the road, Dale Murray. Um, what if we can't, not only what if we can't tour anymore? What if we can't, you know, we can't travel, there are travel restrictions. Um, you know, what if we get sick? Like all these things came up and how do we, how do we build a life? Still has been a very important to us. How do we build a life, um, you know, the life of an artist so that we can keep doing what we love? Um, and, and Patreon and, and uh, building online community um, through live streaming and testing the waters. Cause you know, I, I still don't feel like I've got a handle on it. Um, uh, still I've done a lot of live streaming this year as a lot of other artists have. Um, but I still, I just still struggle with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you have, I think a purpose in your life or a mission, or you have at least a, a good sense of what it is you're, you're supposed to be doing, you know, in this life or whatever, um, you will find a way to make it work. And that, that, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. And I, and I'm, and my best friend, Dale has, he's, he's just really been supportive every step of the way. Let's try this. Let's, you know, let's shift here and there. Um, but I, I mean, I've, I know I wasn't the first one uh, doing it, but I, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I suppose I wanted to try, uh, you know, like the live streaming, uh, and not even, I was very, initially, I actually was very opposed to performing online and very protective. And I still am of like my likeness and my, my voice and my songs, um, you know, just be kind of well, filmed for one without my permission and, and posted randomly because that's like, you know, you kind of want to create and develop an aesthetic and, um, and you want, I think it's wise to kind of have some kind of control over that if, it, if it's not quite, uh, control over what gets out there. Um, if you have a, you know, a dream or a vision of how you'd like to sound and look and what you want to say. And, uh, so I didn't really do a whole lot of performing online until the pandemic. And then we were just like, well, fuck, we, uh, we gotta do something. We gotta connect with people. And other than the way you're perceived and the way you're presented is, is it a, obviously it must be a different feeling for you to perform from home in the silence do you get the same kind of joy out of seeing the comments scroll by as you would seeing smiling faces in the audience or, or is it a whole different thing for you no no it's different um i had a meeting recently with um another a, a creator uh visual uh artist and we've been talking about you know what to do with a new album in the next year and a half and and one of the things that came up was like we're you know creating two different experiences when you're live streaming or your video, you know, you're recording something for video to the video or you're performing for the audience in a live setting, actual people in the room. And um, they're two different experiences from my perspective as a performer artist. And I think from the audience perspective, um, so you have to think about them that way. So, I mean, it feels different. I like aspects of it. Um, it triggers, you know, getting comments. I like uh, if I couldn't have, if I couldn't engage like with the audience, if I couldn't find ways to communicate, it would feel maybe not as, um, well, just not as connective. Like, I mean, we, I tried to develop some fun ways to reach out to my audience. I mean, nothing like, uh, you know, earth shattering, but just conversation games to get us talking. And, um, but it, yeah, it's different than at my live shows. I mean, I, I try, I think it's a little bit more of a, a conversation. It feels like uh, with the live performances um, and with the online stuff, it's, you know, there's a lag. So it's like, 
<laughs> and putting stuff out there, it, it's delayed. And you're really, you know, it's, it's actually uh, quite exhausting because my brain is just constantly having to pay attention to keeping the show going and then thinking about the questions that are coming in, the answers to questions that are coming in for things I asked a minute ago um, and keeping an eye on everyone who's popping on and saying hello and those kinds of things. Like, but it is, it triggers something in your brain that is pleasing. Uh, so, and you know, people have said to me, not a ton of people, like, uh, I mean, but you get enough people saying that the live streams mean something to them every week and it helps them get through lockdown or, uh, some of the some of uh, my supporters and, and patrons have made it a weekly um, ritual to have like wine and cheese, you know, Sunday and live stream with Christina and Dale, and uh, and that's pretty cool. It's it's like hanging out with friends, you know. So but totally different than I feel different. I mean, than the live performance in person, yeah. Um, they're just so, uh, they're so much more informal than what most performers do. And I know you work really hard on your, like you're very personable. You, you tell stories about your life. I, I don't think you're, uh, you know, hiding behind a big show, but I know that you like to have a well-paced show. You like to, you like to make sure that everything sounds good. You always, you know, even if you're playing at my house, you're, you're making sure that you look great and everything is, is the way you like it to be. So. Is it more uncomfortable to be sort of this, uh, this raw and this natural, I suppose, not having that polished show to do? Oh, I like both. I mean, I, I like authenticity. And even when we do a polished show, like, I mean, I'm building a show right now that I hope I can put on next year that'll be hopefully my fingers crossed, my, my biggest live, you know, production that I've ever done. Um, but even when we do that, I hope there are elements of authenticity and that, you know, people understand that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you know, playing a part and it's choreographed and well-crafted and thought out, but it's entertainment, but that there are moments where you can definitely see it's me, I, you know, and, and, and uh, so, I mean, I like, I like both. I like, um, I like actually enjoy that aspect of like, we did two sort of sessions of live streams. Like we did the denim sessions last year, which was, was a 10 weeks of, of live stream every week where we had, you know, like we were all wearing denim every week and, and um, you now we always showered and showed up and, and there was a flow to the show. And I, I really ha had fun with that. Um, and then this winter with cabin fever, it was a lot more casual and uh, but still had a formula to each one be, uh, so that I didn't, have to spend too much time, you know, like thinking about it and stressing out. Like to me, the preparation, you know, the, the more I prepare, the more I can relax and just have fun. Um, so, you know, yeah, I like, I like both really. Yeah. Something you said earlier um, when we were chatting, you said that uh, you didn't want to feel like too much of a charity case. What do you mean by that? And does this new, a Patreon or online model feel a bit more like people are just giving you money because, or are they still, do you think, do you think they're still paying for it? Like, like a show or, or what did you mean by the charity case angle? I think by charity case, well, when I think of charities, I think of like people that really need money. I mean, for, like life-saving, you know, experiences and, and um, services. And, and I just mean, I would never want to um, want people to think that um, I was at in that category because I'm, I'm not, I can, I could, you know, I'm healthy. I have, I have what I need. I, I, if I couldn't make a living doing music, I could choose to do something, something else, you know, I, I, but my, I'm very driven to continue this chosen profession. And, um, part of that as an artist, uh, you know, the, the arts people can struggle with, um, with earning revenue and, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, but, um, I wanted people to, support me because they felt they were getting something out of the exchange with Patreon. So um, I think I've 
crafted my Patreon to, to satisfy that, at least for the people who sign up, they either want to support because they, they like what I do and they want to see me keep doing it. They get something out of the experience of listening to maybe one of my songs or watching one of my videos or, or maybe they're curious and get something of that. There's a value there for them. Uh, you know, non-tangible, I suppose, um, in they, they're learning things from my journey and parts of my journey that I share, perhaps like there's a little something for everyone, you know? Um, and, but then I think for some people, they just really want to give and not receive and they want to see me succeed. They want to be a part of that success. So these are all reasons why I, I said, I eventually was like, well, I, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this out. And it's, I'm glad that I did. I was persuaded by a friend who is a patron of mine, uh, one of my first patrons. His name is Mitchell. And uh, it took some convincing, but he convinced me to give it a shot. And, and you know, the 73 patrons I have today have been during this pandemic um, pretty much like, you know, the most consistent, predictable revenue source for my company. I suppose I call it a company because it actually is a company. It's, you know, I set it up as a company a decade ago and that's how I, I look at it, I guess, um, separate than the art that's being made, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I, I kind of struggle with the Patreon thing for a couple of reasons as someone who's not a creator, like I want to support everybody. I wish I could, I wish to God I could help you all, but uh, you know, as much, as much as I, I, I'm not complaining, I'm doing okay. We didn't lose any work or any income or anything like that. And we do, we do, uh, okay for ourselves, but I, it's hard to support everybody on the Patreon. So I, I'm torn sometimes, like I really want to support you, but I also want to support some other people. And then I have to make these weird decisions like, oh, Joe Nolan only has 25 patrons and Christina has 73. Maybe I should help Joe. Like, I'm uh, Joe probably has more. I love Joe, but, um, but, you know, you have to make these weird things with yourself. And then the other thing was, uh, at one point, uh, I stopped supporting someone, not, not on a personal level, just because he wasn't really doing the thing anymore. And I found some other people who I wanted to support. And then I felt like, is he going to, feel like I don't love them anymore? And does Christina feel like I don't love her because I'm not on your list or whatever? So absolutely not. No. So yeah. Hey, those are all real feelings you got to deal with. But <laughs> yeah, I've had, I tell my patrons that the, you know, and, and I learned this from the, the artists that I support in the messages they send me through Patreon that the seasons change. You might be able to support somebody for a month, a year, um, and I give people an out, you know, and, and the opportunity to know that like any, any, you know, anything that they've contributed, um, you know, uh, whether it be a month or two is, is, is helpful. And, um, and also, I mean, you're somebody who supports artists in many, in a multitude of ways. I mean, it's nothing to feel bad about like that you wouldn't, you know, choose to support some of your closest friends on, on a, on a site like Patreon, you know? Um, so we all have to make those, uh, you know, personal decisions. I have good friends who I've um, had conversations about Patreon and then they've set it up and I love these people, but I, I too struggle with that. Like you're not alone. I, I want to support all of my friends. I only have a budget. If, if my Patreon grows, I actually want to, uh, you know, to invest a portion of that back into more artists. But right now, I can only afford like $8 worth of, you know, supporting other artists a month. And, and so I think you kind of figure out what, you know, if, 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 if people want to, and, and if it's the right thing, like it can be a time limit. You can also, I think not you, but no pressure, but the, I like the, how patron Patreon now offers the year membership. So when that year is up, I mean, I'm expecting, not everybody who signed up for the year to resubscribe. Like I'm predicting that, like, uh, you know, and, and I'm predicting when credit cards expire that people might, that's a time when people reassess their finances. Like I do it too. And they might say, well, you know, I'm going to shift my, my focus uh, to somebody else who needs it and spread the love. Like, so I mean, you know, but you don't, you don't have to feel bad. I know what you mean though. Like I, 
I want to support all my friends as, as well, but you support them how you can support them. That's all. Just being fr- a friend is enough. My other problem with the Patreon model is sometimes it feels like you're, you're preaching to the choir all the time. You're, you're always playing to your, to your biggest fans. Uh, you're not necessarily creating stuff and bringing in new people necessarily that way. How, how do you kind of balance those things with wanting to appeal to people who can't support you or bring in new people with, you know, giving the people who do support you something as well? Well, I mean, I always looked at it like this. Um, it's there um, for when I do tour or, you know, I'm doing a podcast or I can mention it. And there's always, there, there's always um, a new listener out there. And if they decide that they want to listen to my, my work and they like it and they want more and they, sometimes you think, how can I support this artist? Like I'm a fan, I'm a new fan. And so um, in every tour date that we were doing, I would mention it at the show. If you, if you want to support, you know, you I like a lot of people didn't know, still don't know about Patreon and, and that it's a membership based platform that, that basically is to help creators get paid for what they do. And, um, and so I would just say that. And people, some people were like, thank you so much for letting me know. I now support you and other artists, you know, and they go on there and they hunt, uh, they, they do some research, they discover new artists. Like you never know where someone might hear that you're on Patreon, check it out. And then, and then want to sign up. So um, I guess I see it as like, an option for some of my hard, hard, hardcore fans, let's say, or super fans. Um, and, and that it's, I don't know. I just assume that if it's part of my messaging, but not, you know, it's, it's on my website, but like, it's not like super in your face, but it's there. And um, sort of more, it's a passive uh, way of, I think of it as like passive income, I suppose, even though it's pretty active, but anyway. Um, that everything else I do, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's sort of a, a funnel. Like there's a funnel that kind of all leads to, oh, and she's got a Patreon if, if you are curious about the more in-depth uh, journey, new and existing fans. Um, but now I think, I think my Patreon right now is probably something because I, I stopped emailing my newsletter. Like I stopped emailing people. I just, I felt like I, it, I was being in, and I was in, I, th- I felt like it was a little too invasive, like the mass email. And I'm not, I don't mean to, uh, some people would definitely disagree with me um, and say that, you know, that was probably a bad decision to stop my newsletter because I built, I built it for so many years. And, um, but it was just a personal decision. And so I think, you know, uh, the, the people that sign up to support me on Patreon now are most likely going to be people who um, are new, new to my music. Um, so I don't even know if I answered your question right, but it's good. These are really good. These are really good questions though about Patreon. And it's really great to get um, this in-depth, like these questions and in, in perspective from from a, from a music fan, like who's, you know, thinking about like, you're just, you just seem to be one of the most engaged people on that platform that I've talked to. So I just have had all these questions brewing in my head. And the, the, the one other one I continually have is that, uh, I, I think I understand better than most that, uh, art is not something that you can always just sit down and do. It doesn't really work on a schedule for a lot of people. I don't know about you. I don't know how prolific you necessarily are, but uh, for some people, having new content or new songs or new whatever every month goes against what they've always done as a creator before. They they wait for the inspiration and then they work on it for as long as it takes and then they don't want to put it out until it's the way they want it to be. But here, do you feel the pressure to create more? And is that is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? Uh, no, I, I I feel the pressure to commit to what I promised. And it was initially a promise to myself. So I, I mean, sneakishly set it up to serve my own desire to be a better, uh, to grow as a writer. So that's why I have my monthly series, Rhyme or Slime. And I, I'm not a good writer. I'm, a, I mean, I propose to be very bad, terrible, boring, but I just want to write more. I want to dedicate 
you know, more time to pencil to paper, to excavating my journals, to writing, to reading about writing, all the things I've always done, but on a more regular basis. And I want to see what comes out of that, whether it just be sort of free verse, you know, shitty poems. Um, right now, for example, like my writing series revolves around my new lyrics. Like, so I'll share my new lyrics from my upcoming new album uh, from, let's say, uh, one or two songs in, in a month uh, post. And then uh, whatever, you know, some of these songs I haven't thought about in forever. Like, what, what are they about? I don't fucking know. I don't remember. <laughs> so what do they trigger for me now? And, you know, maybe do I have memories about them? And, and, and is there any clues to, as to who I am now because of the things I wrote about in the songs or how does it relate to the world around us now? You know? And so like, I just kind of, I just explore that and, and I, and I write and, and I share those things with my, uh, with, you know, on a certain tier of the people that have opted for want to hear that stuff. And, and I think a lot of patrons probably don't read it, but some of them do. And I, I, and some of them comment and sometimes they don't, it's okay. It's, it's, all, it's, it's there for me to, to keep, uh, up with my goals to my promise to myself to, to really, you know, like get in that writing. You got to get in something by the end of the month. And, and even in my updates, like I try to, you know, be real in them. And like, uh, you know, I'm trying to update people. I've never really done this before. And it actually it's turned out to be kind of a pain in the ass, but I'm, I'm glad I'm doing it is really in-depth journaling, <laughs> in-depth journaling, uh, writing in my uh, a journal for my recording process for this album, Storm, which isn't always about music. I'm, I mean, I'm terrible about talking about my music, but it's really about everything else around it and, and my struggles and things we're celebrating along the way, you know, and, and, and I'm sharing pictures and videos of some of it. So like some fans are into that stuff. And, um, and it's, for me, it's a really important part of documenting your life when we live now, I mean, when, you know, we were growing up, we all printed photo albums and would flip through them. And, and now a whole year can go by without really properly documenting like your life. And so what I'm saying, Jeff, is that I set up Patreon. It's a very selfish pursuit to uh, <laughs> pay my bills to keep writing and keep making content you know, as much as I can. Well, you gotta, uh, people always apologize for doing things to, to uh, call it selfish or whatever, but you gotta eat, you gotta find a way to do it. We don't want you going and getting a job that takes away your energy from your creative pursuits. So we want you to be able to do that. Right. So we're not, uh, uh, I don't think it's selfish at all. If you found a way to, to keep that going. The, uh, when I, my friends ask me about, you know, setting up their Patreon accounts sometimes. And, and one of the things I tell them though, and this is more to circle back to like your question is like, just make sure you don't set it up to that so that it'll cause more stress. Cause that would, if I promised a song every month, every, every three months, that would freak me out. Even like I, it needs, I need that to be, I don't know, like really loose. And when I'm comfortable, like, um, it's too much pressure. It's, it's too much pressure. And there's, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but I, I mean, some people are just like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I, you know, um, promising a new song every, but if, if that's all you're doing, I suppose, and maybe some people, some people do write like songs every day. I don't like, uh, I might be writing, but it's not necessarily a song, I'm mostly doing my taxes and project managing. Anyway. Uh, the other big topic on this show and perhaps the even more important one, I like, I, I kind of started this show as a way of connecting with people and talking about mental health issues and mental illness and how that's touched our lives and stuff. It's certainly touched mine in a, in a bunch of ways. And I know it's touched yours as well. And I know that you've done a lot of work, uh, for an organization called cam H and I'm wondering if you can tell me a bit about that organization and why you got attached to that. Right. The Center for Addiction and Mental Health Foundation. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying like, I was, 
I, want, I just want to clarify because I, I always feel, and I, there's nothing wrong with saying like the work that someone does with, I don't think, but when it, when my name's attached to it, I'm always like, I'm, I'm not doing the work. They're doing, they're doing the work, you know, but I know, I know what you mean, but I, I'll tell you a little bit about how I found out about ChemH because they were not on my radar, but I sure wish they, they would have been. Um, you know, prior to 2016, um, I was doing a tour with my dear friend, uh, who you know, Matt Epp from Winnipeg, and um, he had connected me with um, an organization called 145 Live Solutions, and my friend Michael Bowman over there, uh, part of his work involves pairing musicians with charities and corporations and, you know, to, I suppose, serve each other's missions and help each other out. And I was interested in CAMH because of uh, the mental health component. And at my shows, I was always um, talking about, you know, talking on the topic of mental health and the importance of looking after ourselves and, and raising awareness about if that stigma has on people reaching out to help and uh, asking for help. And, and, uh, and I mean, that stems from, you know, uh, having, mental health, mental illness in my family and, and my brother, Stefan, uh, losing him to an opioid overdose in 2013. And so, you know, when you, when you lose somebody that you love and you know, you know, the potential of his life, what it could have been like, you think about, wow, like if he had had, if we had had a better understanding, if at a young age, you know, maybe, you know, his life could have been different. And here's a brilliant person who so much smarter than I ever was. And I really looked up to him and, and uh, I felt very, very helpless. You know, what can you do um, when he was alive, but also after his death, like, what do we make of this? This, <laughs> you know, this is, this is really, fucked up and and so the timing for me in uh, learning about CAMH through MADAP and uh, 145 Solutions and the, their offer to uh, pair up uh, for our tour at that time was um, meant, it meant something to do, it was something I could grasp onto and Matt and I were both um, dedicated to sharing our, our each of our personal messages about our experiences with mental health and my losing my brother and and, and we helped raise money uh, for the organization to make care better for people living with, for families uh, living with, um, families that want to do better. And, and so that kind of, I, you know, once that started, I, I kept it going for our tour dates in Canada. And I, pretty much every show up until I think 2019, um, we were we were talking about it at our shows and, and the fans at the shows, it really, I think one thing that kept us going was that because it is hard to share. It is hard to share these personal things on, on stage in front of a room full of people. And sometimes you have these nights where you're like, I don't want to talk about this. You know, that's like, that's the past. Like, and I, I really just want to have a good time tonight. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you just don't feel up to it. And, uh, but you do it because people come up after and they say, you know, Cam H uh, had an experience with them and it saved my life or my a family member got help in, in Toronto. And, you know, their, their web reaches far and wide um, to communities across Canada. The research extends beyond, you know, beyond Canada to help people in other countries. Like it's, so yeah, I just, it was great to see that people were aware of them. If they weren't, that they would then go and, and uh, find out more. It was a play. It was a way we could say at the shows, here's a place that if you are looking for help, you can go to them. Even if you don't want to, you know, pay a monthly amount to support them, uh, which uh, Dale and I both chose to. And I guess in a way it's, it's also a way of like, if you are feeling kind of helpless, like how can I make a difference? You know, that's one way you can make a difference obviously is by giving some money. 
to people who are doing the work. So that was a long answer, but that's like a little bit about the history of how I got involved with CAMH. Um, but I mean, you know, it might not have been on my radar had I not um, had my own bouts with mental health in uh, mental illness and my, my losing my brother. Uh, I might not have um, felt so compelled. I don't, I don't know. It's obviously I can't say, but it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's so hard. Uh, you know, suicide is one of the, I always say on the show, suicide seems to be one of the last taboos. People just don't want to talk about it. And uh, I've certainly lost people, friends and family uh, to suicide. And this show kind of started as a result of um, losing a couple of musicians that I really, really adored and admired. It's called Fly With Your Shadow after a song by a guy named John Bottomley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but but I just thought he was absolutely brilliant, and uh, it it just it it shocked and amazed me that he could get to the sad and dark and hopeless place that I've been to in my life when he seemed to have so much going for him. And and there's another uh, musician that kind of guides what I do. His name is Paul McLeod, uh, who I absolutely love. And lately, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Jay Smith. I think you worked with Jay Smith at some point too. Yeah, Jay was a friend and guitar player, yeah. Finding a way to kind of make sense of what, I don't know if you can make sense of it, but but to understand how it gets to that place and maybe try to reach some people before they get to that point, or at least make us all a little bit more aware of what might be going on with people, you know? Yeah, and the... <laughs> I mean, the more we try to put ourselves in other people's shoes, even if you yourself, you know, your listeners aren't experiencing mental illness or familiar with it. I mean, there's always, there is always a potential that, well, I, I really believe I've always, you know, I've heard it somewhere, but I've always kind of repeated it that we're only all just two steps away from needing help and support and in, uh, for a mental illness, um, well, let me also say too that I mean you know this like the mission is to basically the goal one of the goals is like to have mental illness and physical illness seen as like one and like it's all one thing it's a but yet we still um, you know I think I think there've been a lot of changes in, in terms of the language around it I see people trying harder a more aware conscientious about it. Um, my, you know, all, across all generations. And, and the more we do that, I think, you know, I mean, like, if I had as a teen, if we had these conversations in our classrooms, and amongst our friends, telling each other, you know, like, it's, it's absolutely a part of life that we maybe experience anxiety and to explore where that can come from. And if we just, you know, had the language and the tools, a lot more people would maybe not get to that point of crisis and, uh, or feel comfortable being like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like I need, yeah, I need help. But sometimes we can help other people, but we can't help ourselves without support. It's a weird thing, right? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I went to, I did my bachelor's in, of arts and honors in psychology and thought I knew everything. And, uh, you know, I've never been to a, a counseling session and I have been since to many, but <laughs> didn't really understand my own, you know, years of depression and anxiety and didn't really, yeah. So it's, and it's such a, to have the language and understanding about these things that you're experiencing that are so, it just feels so like insurmountable and tough um, to have the, the lingo and to know other people are going through it and to know there's like, get another side that you could get to the, you know, and to see more people coming out and saying, I've been there and now I'm in a good place. You know, there's a light. Or, hey, I'm living with this thing. I'm living with it. It's hard, but I'm doing it. And there are good days and there are bad days. Like, you know, those, we, need, we need more stories. Like, there's so much power behind everybody's individual story. 
that, you know, and I mean, I can't speak for our, um, our friend Jay, obviously I'm not going to try, um, you know, but, uh, I'm not even going to try. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I'm just, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a hard thing though. The the other thing that I always think about is like when when you have a mental illness and and especially when you're near the end of the rope and you're ready to give up. It's very isolating and I know for 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 me uh when I went through the worst of times uh like in in the 90s and stuff like that. Um it it just feels like you're the only one and nobody can understand and nobody can help you and and there's just there's no hope. So I feel like the more we kind of share our experiences, um, it kind of helps people if, if they start to feel that way, know that it's, it's, you're, you're not going crazy. It's not something to be necessarily worried about. There is help available. And, uh, so trying to normalize some of those conversations as well. This is really interesting too, like, as I'm hearing you talk, you know, about, about this and, and your experience, I mean, it reminds me of how you know songwriting for me like ever if if everyone had a thing that they could throw themselves into the meaning like you know you you have these different avenues but your show you know this podcast i mean would you say i'm going to just ask you a question would you say that it helps your save your life like it's saving your life oh absolutely no question no no doubt about it no question absolutely yeah, it's it's weird like finding something that you feel good at or that you feel like you can do fairly well and maybe some people kind of react to that. It just it just changes everything, I think. So, uh, I mean, for me it was just, you know, I've been hosting Tell the Band to Go Home on UMFM for almost 20 years now. I I think I'm pretty good at that, you know? It's I'm I'm not the best. I don't I don't think it's uh I don't think it's a, a real game changer, but I feel like I, I feel like it's a good show. And I feel like when I talk to people like you, I, I hope I'm asking intelligent questions and I hope it's it's a little more interesting than than the standard. And so that kind of builds up some confidence and makes you realize that you have some value, I guess. Um and provides some hope and some like something you're working towards and something that you feel like you can contribute. And this is like, this is a thing, this, your thing, my thing, you know, it's a, my thing could be songwriting. It could be one of the projects I'm working on, you know, or, but everybody needs a sense of, of purpose. And I think for people that have maybe been robbed of that because of mental illness, you know, my brother is an example of that. He was a brilliant artist and intellect and well-read and, and, uh, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because of his mental illness. And he didn't have that, you know, for me, for me, you know, having the experience of watching him struggle so hard with that and um, what for one, maybe very cautious in my own life, um, you know, and, and I was very, I just saw that this, this could, this could happen to any of us. Like, and, and, uh, uh, and we had very different circumstances still to, you know, our lives that um, I don't want to propose that his experiences were that we had the same, you know, even upbringing because we didn't. And um, he had traumas that I didn't and I had traumas that he he didn't and couldn't relate to. But the difference between us is that I had this thing that I found in art and music that and that coupled with you know, really being cautious about my substance use and, and fighting so hard to stay healthy. And just at the, I spent so much time and I still do, you know, how do I maintain this? Because it's, it's, this is my mission to, to lead a healthy life as long as I can and, and to have healthy relationships. And, and, uh, and I, I really, it made me, it makes me sad that my brother, was robbed of, of that. And, and I'm glad to hear, you know, when friends like you have these gifts and they're able to practice them. And I know, I know that like, it's kind of saving your life in a way. Like, yeah, like we talked about, uh, it's keeping you going, gives you something to look forward to. Um, bad days, you think ahead to it. Even there are days I bet where you don't feel like 
maybe talking to people, but then you go through it. And when you, when you come out, you feel differently. Something's happened in your brain. A lot of that has to do with, I think the, the healing power of stories, the exchanges you have, we are people that we need each other. Like we isolation does breed mental can breed mental uh, health issues. And, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny that it's interesting, not funny, but um, that when our mental health is at risk and we tend to, we tend to think that, you know, I, I can't be around people. I, I, we move inside when the, when we more than ever need others <laughs> need to get out. And I always thought that was so fucked up, you know, but that's part of it. <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then a couple things that you talked about there, I, I kind of struggle about, especially cause I work with kids and a lot of kids who have had really rough lives. And it's like, I, I kind of struggle with how do I help them find that thing that's going to make them feel good. But then I also struggle with guys like your brother and Jay Smith and John Bottomley and Paul McLeod who were really phenomenally good at something and they must have felt that. So how does somebody who is successful and has so much to offer, how do they end up not here anymore? Good, good question. I think it's a, I think it's a question that everybody wants to know, but it's uh, maybe it, it just comes down to like you, you know, we're all we, we're all uh, like at, at at risk to some extent of like it, it could be any any of us or maybe I'm not sure. I mean, I think on the outside it's. It's also easy to, you can be living with mental illness. You can hide a lot of your pain and suffering. That's what a lot of people get good at. I mean, we all do. And the coping mechanisms allow for it to go undetected. I mean, it's not super typical that somebody has a suicide party, letting everyone know it's going to happen, but you know, there can be definitely clues and I'm not an expert. I don't proclaim to be an expert in on the topic of suicide either, but I, I think it's uh, important to be able to have conversations about it around it and explore, you know, what does lead us, lead people to that, that point, you know, and I think the, I think it's complex for, I think it's, it's different for different people, but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the mental illness. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those are probably more rhetorical questions than anything. There's, there's no real, uh, what you don't want a real answer. Damn it. <laughs> well, <laughs> like if, if I, uh, yeah, sure I do. But how, how realistic is that? You know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just, I just think that what you're doing, I'd never heard of cam H before you and, uh, going to your show really made me aware of that. And I really, really appreciate it whenever a performer or one of my friends mentions that they've had their struggles b before and it, it, I just feel like it helps me and to, uh, and hopefully, you know, what we're doing helps some other people as well. So yeah, check out I, listeners, uh, check out KMHCA. I'm on their mailing list too, as I sponsor them, uh, monthly and, uh, the news they send is like, is like definitely worth reading as well, like updates on the latest technology and, and treatment and care. Um, but also like they'll send a PDF that the topic might be like how to talk to family members about mental illness or how to talk to a friend who's, you know, who's living with addiction. Um, and, and certainly, it, you know, clear avenues for a first step to reaching out for help. And, and I believe that it's a good it can be a starting point to, um, to look for resources in your own area. If you don't know where to start there, you know? Um, so yeah, check them out, everybody. See, there you go. You're helping me. I, I, I don't know. Why am I not on that mailing list? I should be. So there's, there's something I got to do right away. Yeah. But I, um, I think like you work with kids and earlier you were saying, you know, you know what, like, I think just even, 
saying things like we're talking about now, like kids, like I want you to find that thing in your life that this is a st- like, like mentioning to kids, find something that brings you joy and purpose, you know, that maybe you have to work another job, but make sure when you go home, you have that thing to look forward to. And you might, you know, if you feed into it a little bit every day, you might end up doing it all the time. Like, I think those kinds of things were never told to us for some reason growing up that you have the power to share with your, your, it's pretty cool. Like you've got, you've got the power to shape young minds. That's pretty powerful stuff, Jeff. Well, the, the, the problem that I have these days is whenever I have that exact conversation, you know, what makes you feel good? What are you good at? The answer almost always is video games or, you know, they, they love YouTube and those things. I, uh, I don't see as much of a potential for the, the personal growth or the personal success that, uh, that, you know, it, it sure it's fun and it's easy and it's, you know, maybe you get, maybe you do well against your friends, but I just feel like the opportunities for making your mark on the world are a little harder to find in those avenues. Oh, they can be, but think of it this way. So they're into YouTube. A lot of them want to build a YouTube channel. Well, then they need to start learning about videography, documentation. And there's so many, you know, online free sources for like learning those useful skills. I mean, how many times have I like wanted to hire someone to do a last minute video for X amount of budget? And actually, you know, it's hard to find like really talented people to do, you know, there are the really, you know, really good ones are usually too busy. We need more uh, people with skills, digital skills in arts, like push them to the arts. I know it sounds wild, but they're, you know, I think uh, if you've read the book Lynchpin, which is a great read and I haven't read it in a a while, but basically it really uh, encourages, you know, people to, go to, uh, into the, into that discipline and in a life of arts and companies are looking to hire artists now because of the way we think and operate and new ideas and get stuff done. And All right. Uh, I want to, I want to end off a little, uh, little hopeful and look towards the future. You, you mentioned a new record. What's, uh, what's coming from you? Oh, well, um, New record is coming. I don't know when yet. I mean, I have an estimation. Uh, maybe we'll have a first single out by the f- summer, fall, but no promises. <laughs> but yeah, I've been working on it now for a while. And um, we thought it would be a record that was made in multiple studios around North America. But we're making it ourselves. Um, but learning new things still. And I love working with Dale. So uh, it's exciting, but kind of pushing for a few I would say fresh sounds, but I'm, I've been actually uh, learning how to arrange, uh, write parts for, for strings. And I'm working with this great uh, arranger and composer to help, you know, bring those ideas to life. And she's performing them on the, on the album. So that's been really exciting for me because I've never really collaborated in that way uh, before. Yeah, I mean, just uh, still reaching for the music, but also the live production and developing Mm, more I think more online content that because that's certainly seems to be the way that people are going to be watching consuming music more in the line down the line well now now (laughs) Jeff is online so I want to make sure that we can create some really professional and fun content for the future all right let's imagine this thing is is all over tomorrow there's there's no more COVID no more concerns do you go back to what you were doing before, or do we learn anything from this and change your way of, uh, getting your work out there and and doing your job? Oh yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about how we travel and how that needs to change. And I mean, sort of can either stay home and do more from home and reduce our expenses and our, uh, carbon footprint. And we can wait for, things to improve in terms of, uh, um, you know, electric airplanes, <laughs> electric and powered. It's, it's a challenge. I mean, I, I, I think, I think we will like very likely tour less and try to, uh, still make 
you know, music with integrity and maybe, maybe more locally. I, I really, you know, I'm not sure yet. It's really hard to say. I mean, we can't even play locally really right now. Um, but we're, we're just, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about, yeah, how I do, how I work, how I consume and, um, and the messages we put out with the music. Um, certainly the, I mean, I know I'd, I'd like it to be hopeful, but I think we, we need to, you know, keep our eyes open and not necessarily use music as a way to distract, but to maybe enhance some of the messages. And I think hope is, is important. I don't, but I also think being realistic, real and authentic and finding mu music should be a place to feel all the feels, whatever complicated things they feel. Um, but I also want to find some hope in, in when I listen to music. So kind of finding a balance for those two things, but yeah. Oh, it'll be different. <laughs> it's, it's that balance is hard. I mean, I, uh, my favorite is always the sad, dark, miserable songs. Those are the ones that I, that I love the most, but, uh, for a lot of people, music is just entertainment and they, and they don't necessarily want to be hit over the head. They don't necessarily want to feel something all the time. So you got, uh, do you struggle with that, with that balance? Like trying to make something that's entertaining, but still represents how you feel. I don't usually, I don't know if I struggle with it. I think I just try to be authentic in that uh, I might shift the direction a song takes in the studio because it doesn't feel like I'm doing what the song asks for. Uh, like I did, I did that with a song, uh, probably it's going to be the first single. It was a very, you know, very poppy demo. People liked it on my team and my friends. Then um, I just was like, it's, let's take it down half a step and, and make it more organic feeling. And it really needs to make people want to sob. If you know, I'm not, not force people, obviously you can't force people to feel anything, but I just wanted it to be, I just wanted it to reflect how I, how I was feeling and the sentiment of the song. So, I mean, I, I don't usually think of the audience and like, let's make something necessarily for that person or I don't really care about that. And that's not up to me to decide anyway, but, uh, I mean, the first test is like, how does it make me feel? And how can I envision myself performing this and, and delivering an authentic performance, you know, on, on a big stage? Um, no, I don't worry about the intimate shows because that's always, that always seems to work itself out, um, you know, with the songs. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, you really need to go and listen to Christina's music and find out more about her at christinamartin.net. You can join her supporter community and check out the fun live streams and neat content she's created for her fans at patreon.com slash christinamartin. I also have to throw in a mention for her husband, guitarist, producer, and an all-around amazing guy, Dale Murray, as well. You may be a little more familiar with his Auntie Anne, but he's played in great bands like the Guthrie's with Matt Mays and Cuff the Duke. He's also got a couple of outstanding albums of his own. You can find out more about him and the many projects he's been involved in at dalemurray.ca. You can listen to and find out more about a lot of amazing music through my other show, Tell the Band to Go Home. You can find that at tellthebandtogohome.com. If you're so inclined, I'd really appreciate it if you would help this show. It won't be hard. It'll never cost you a thing. All you have to do is follow and subscribe at flywithyourshadow.com or on social media. If you would, please take a minute to share an episode with a friend to help spread the word and get the show into new ears. Hooking in new listeners is the hardest part of doing this show, so I could really use your help with that. You can get in touch with me. I love to hear from you. Any feedback you might have, flywithyourshadow at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment or get in touch with me right at flywithyourshadow.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show and I'll join me next time on Fly With Your Shadow. This time.